You're listening to the official Dietitian Connection podcast. This podcast gives you access to the most successful and influential experts in the dietetic profession. This podcast will inspire you, it will challenge you, and it will empower you to become a nutrition leader and realize your dreams. Hello and welcome to the Dietitian Connection podcast. I'm your host, Kate Agnew. Today we're going to be talking about closing the gap between the digital world and the real world. And to do that, we've invited Terry Lichtenstein to join us. So Terry is an accredited practicing dietitian and she's a sports dietitian as well. She's got over 17 years experience in corporate nutrition marketing. And you may have heard of her before as the director and founder of Food Bites, which is a nutrition and digital marketing consultancy business. So let's get into the interview. Hi, Terry. Welcome to the Dietitian Connection podcast. Very excited to have you here. So thank you so much for joining us. That's a pleasure, Kate. Thanks, thanks for having me. So Terry, to start off, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your background and also what led you to establishing Food Bites in 2014. Sure. So I studied my dietetics master's degree in South Africa, as probably a lot of people could tell from my accent. I'm not born and bred Australian. In two, or I should say, let me actually backtrack even before I graduated and moved to Australia. While I was completing my master's degree and I, I did my full year of clinical placements across all areas of clinical dietetics. And I always knew at the time that I didn't really have a big desire to work in any specific area of clinical dietetics. And I just had a natural interest in more the nutrition communication side of things. As part of the master's degree in South Africa, we needed to complete a nutrition thesis project. And I actually worked with the Heart Foundation of South Africa And I developed a project where I implemented a corporate health program and corporate communications program in various workplaces in South Africa, which really just confirmed for me that I definitely had an interest in that area. And then fast track when I moved to Australia, which was in 2000, I really wanted to get a job in this area. But like most dietitians starting off, I was just desperate to take any sort of job and gain any sort of experience. And a friend of mine whose colleague was a dietitian, um, I spoke to her. I was just keen to network and speak to as many people as possible. And she told me that she actually got a job with Diabetes Australia after having volunteered for that. So I started off volunteering for Diabetes Australia New South Wales. And within one week, they actually offered me a job, which was fantastic. Mm -hmm. It was only working one day a week and the other four days I was still volunteering. But hey, I I was happy to take it and... A, get some money in my account and B, get some experience. Yeah, yeah. And what I, what I do remember, um, I remember working with the marketing manager at the time and she gave me a few things to do. And I'm sure it, I, I take my hat off to her now because I'm sure I actually, she probably needed to spend more time with me teaching me some basic marketing skills 
rather than um, my my services or my being there able to actually support her. And I think at the time that sort of triggered something that made me realize that I obviously didn't have any formal marketing communication skills or education as this was something that was not provided when I studied dietetics. And I decided to further my studies and I undertook a graduate diploma in nutrition marketing which was through the University of Sydney and the University of Wollongong. So it was a marketing diploma with a focus on nutrition, um, on, on the nutrition industry. I should also say at the same time, I've always had an interest um, in sports dietetics. I'm, I'm quite an athlete myself, or at least a, a weekend warrior athlete. Mm-hmm. And I did undertake the sports dietetics course at the Australian Institute of Sport. And Kate, I think, you know, what what is really what my sort of takeout for this and, you know, for all the listeners out there, especially for those that are starting off in the career of dietetics or thinking of trying to find a niche, is that I actually personally believe that it's it's one thing to complete your dietetics degree, but that probably shouldn't necessarily be the end of your formal education. Um, now, formal education nowadays can come in a variety of manners and, and thanks to, you know, the World Wide Web, you can undertake um, education courses and qualifications all over the world. But without a doubt, undertaking that graduate diploma in nutrition marketing was a significant step in allowing me to develop, um, you know, the, this career in nutrition communications. So I guess that was sort of just, you know, really what then spurred my my career in nutrition communications. And I then worked for quite a few years for um, a company in Australia called the Food Group Australia. And in 2005, I moved to Melbourne and I um, was very fortunate to secure uh, my first official marketing role as a brand manager for the Optifast brand um, at Novartis Medical Nutrition. And I worked across a variety of different brands uh, within this division. And during that time, our division of Novartis was actually acquired by Nestle and we became Nestle Health Science. And then fast forward till about 2008, 2009, when I was going on maternity leave to have my first child and I wanted to come back to work. But I had just before I'd really gone on maternity leave, obviously the area of um, social media and digital marketing had already been around for many, many years, but was just progressing at an you know unstoppable pace which has certainly not slowed down and I suggested to my manager at the time that there is a need and an opportunity for Nestle Health Science to really focus on that area of communication so they developed or they created a new role for me which was the digital marketing manager and I remember coming back into the office after my maternity leave and thinking okay I've, I've now got this role so I better learn what I'm actually going to do and like a lot of roles, I think that the best way to learn is really on the job. Mm-hmm. I was very fortunate at a company like Nestle having access to some fantastic training opportunities, you know, through Google and Facebook and, and obviously access to global counterparts um, within the organization. So it was a steep learning curve, but a, a wonderful learning curve. And I just realized that this was the future of communications. So after about five years in that role, I um, sort of had come to the end of my my, my time at Nestle. It was, it was time for me to move on. And I had already been doing a little bit of consulting work on the side. So I decided to take the, the big leap of faith and establish Food Bites. 
I will say though, um, it took me about seven months of um, make before I actually made that decision. I, I had decided I did want to leave Nestle. Um, there were a few changes within the organization where they were not as supportive of, of part-time employers and employees, and it was time for me to move on. But like most people, I had the wonderful security of um, a secure paid job where I knew exactly how much money was coming into my account each month. I had access to you know, a corporate Amex card. I had uh, my dietitian members membership paid by Nestle. So many, many perks of the job. And I actually looked around for another job first, another paid job for about seven months. Being a, a mum, I wanted part-time employment. And I remember speaking to recruiters who literally laughed at me when I told them that I wanted a part-time job because I said, um, I'm dreaming and they, they just don't exist. And so I guess I realized I realized there were limited opportunities, plus the fact that I had a little bit of consulting work. I It, it was sort of just a decision that came to me. I thought, well, I'll give it a go. And um, to be honest, Kate, I have never looked back. And it was a hard decision at the time, but it was the best, best thing that happened to me. And I'm, I'm very – I love what I do now. I love the flexibility of food bites. Um, however – I certainly don't think I could have ever had the success that I've had with Food Bites if, if it wasn't for that, um, you know, sort of those first, you know, 12 to 15 years of experience that I gained by working for someone else and, and learning and learning the skills in, you know, dur- during that time. So when I decided to establish Food Bites, I thought, okay, well, there, there's some amazing and fantastic and and you know, well-respected dietitians out there working in the area of nutrition communications. Where where could I play a role and where could I have a point of difference? Because I'm sure, you know, I'm sure, Kate, you've done quite a few podcasts now for Dietitian Connection across many different topics. And I'm sure one thing that is often repeated is that, you know, in this cluttered environment and in this competitive industry, it is really important to to have that niche and to have that point of difference. Definitely. Marie has taught me well about that. Absolutely. It is it is absolutely essential. But it but it's also hard. I mean, because you know, you know, it's it's all very well to say, okay, well, what do, what do you like doing that other people don't like, or or what are you good at that others aren't? But it, it, it can be really difficult to find that one thing, you know, especially as, as more and more dietitians are graduating. Mm-hmm. So what I realized is that I did have all this, you know, I had marketing qualifications, I had this marketing experience, and now I had about five years of digital and social media experience, plus all my nutrition communications. So I really, you know, wanted to um, position Food Bites as a nutrition communications agency, but with a focus on digital and social media communications and in fact even the name food bites hence why it's a play on the word bites because it's obviously meant to be about food that you eat but also bites b-y-t-e-s as in digital bites of of communication and so on the topic of what's essential uh in today's digital age do you think uh it's still important to maintain professional relationships and network face to face Yeah, it's it's funny how in today's digital age, you know, with everything being done behind a computer screen or a mobile phone screen and, and social media being online, I think a lot of people have forgotten that at the end of the day, they are still real people behind all these screens. Um, and, you know, we all know the benefits of seeing people face to face. If you if you have a good friend and you only catch up with them on the phone and never see each other face to face, it's quite a different relationships, yes. a, a different relationship. And 
with with digital marketing and social media marketing having such a wider reach and you know nowadays we can com- communicate with audiences all over the world that we could never do before you've really still got to think especially from a professional perspective is what is the actual value of this relationship both to yourself and to the person or the brand that you're having the relationship with and I always think you know you've really got to think would you go out of your way for that person would they go out of their way for you so we're all very quick to say, oh, I, you know, I posted something on social media and I got a thousand likes. But what does that actually mean? And I think this is this is where a lot of brands and businesses fall short because it's very easy to measure likes. It's like measuring hits to a website. It mm-hmm. doesn't actually mean anything. Um, you know, it's it's. I think social media and digital marketing has really allowed an enormous amount of of fake networking to take place. Mm. Um, And it's very easy to be seduced by these big numbers and a popularity scorecard. So, you know, look at this this great graph and look at how our numbers have gone up. And of course, those sort of metrics can have the place, but it really is ultimately about professional relationships and the networks. And I have never experienced this more profoundly than in the last three years of having my business. Since my business growth has been 100% 100% driven by the real networks that I've had. Mm-hmm. And so how has your business focus changed uh, between now and when you first established Food Bites? Mm-hmm. Well, when I first established Food Bites, um, I remember thinking, well, am I actually going to get any work? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was I was pretty much prepared to almost, almost take on anything. But I did – what I did do in establishing Food Bites is that, look, there are some fantastic dietitians and businesses that are working in the area of nutrition marketing. So I really try to look at where could I establish Food Bites to have a point of difference. And I realized that I could really capitalize on my digital marketing experience, especially that that I had gained at Nestle, where you know, I had fantastic training by Google and Facebook and exposure to amazing global resources through a company, you know, a global company like Nestle. And obviously I had my, my nutrition credentials and my marketing experience. So I combined the two together to really position Food Bites as, as a digital marketing agency. However, having said that, I will say probably specifically over the last year, whilst I still do a fair amount of digital and social media consulting to a variety of clients, um, there is still very much probably the, the, the core essence of my business is still sort of general nutrition marketing communications. Mm-hmm. And I think what is interesting and one of the reasons for that, well, I've, I've got a few theories, but one of my theories is that, look, every man and his dog is is doing social media nowadays. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone wants to have a Facebook page and an Instagram page and do Instagram stories and Twitter profile and LinkedIn. And I think people are just are being a little bit overwhelmed and not really sure where to go. There's also a lot of so-called social media experts out there, um, you know, who want to sort of provide training and expertise. So like many industries, it is becoming a little bit cluttered to some mm-hmm. extent. Saturated. So, yeah, absolutely. It really, really is. And um, what I've decided to do is because the focus of my business is more B2B, as in, you know, I consult more to businesses, That that's really where I've decided to focus my efforts for food butts for now. But having mm. said that, I do have some some plans that I'm busy working on. So watch the space in terms of providing some more social media um, 
training specifically for dietitians. Oh, great. Well, you'll have to let us know when you've got yeah, more info. Well. So I guess on that note, what are some important m- metrics that you use or you have used in the past or you know are important to determine success within a yeah. digital communications business? Yeah. Yeah, look, I guess um, metrics very much need to be relatable back to your, your business or your brand or your professional objectives. Social media is very resource intensive. And remember, every single social media platform that you have is another hungry mouth to feed. So you might decide you've got to have LinkedIn and Twitter and Pinterest and Instagram and Snapchat, but they all require attention. And as we know, social media is 24-7. It is happening at such a fast pace. It's, it's fascinating. I think there's been more changes to marketing in the last two years than there has been in the last 50 years probably. Yeah. But what I think is really important is something that I was talking about before is how are you going to measure those real metrics? How are you going to measure a true engagement? Because if you think of the term engagement, you know, it's an easy term to follow, to to throw around, um, you know, and all over we hear, oh, we want to measure engagement. We want to measure how many people commented on our Facebook post or something like that. But what what does engagement actually mean? So if, if I, you know, Kate, if you've got a Facebook page, if you're a private practice dietitian and you've got a Facebook page and I comment and I engage and I like one of your posts, but I never pick up the phone to book an appointment to come and see you. Yes, yes. You know, am I, am I really regarded as, as a valuable customer? And I think it's also, you know, as we know now, even as consumers ourselves, um, you know, the, the whole the whole marketing funnel and the customer decision-making journey is very different with, with digital because digital has given customers heightened access to information to evaluate and continuously re-evaluate brands, brands and products. And it really allows for that two-way, cust- uh, two-way communications where customers and consumers can start talking back to us. So I think as dietitians or, or any health professional working in the space, we really need to utilize this new model of marketing to attract and engage with our customers. But we need to decide where to invest our resources Mm -hmm. and we constantly need to measure to determine are we actually getting the return. Mm -hmm. Because there's so much content clutter and creating content on digital platforms and social media platforms is always going to be very, very resource intensive. And to really be able to make your content stand out and to truly engage with your audience, to truly engage to that point where there's a two-way valuable relationship. Because don't forget, you know, at the end of the day, if you are investing in all the social media, at some point you're going to want someone to make a conversion that is of benefit to your brand or your professional credibility or your thought leadership position or, or a financial goal. You know, it's it's just like, um, you know, if, if you – if, if a retail shop has is a shoe shop is selling shoes and they have an Instagram presence, ultimately they want someone who is engaging with them to ultimately buy a pair of shoes. Mm. So, you know, if you're not able to actually measure that continuous customer journey, then you've really got to start to question why you're doing it and, and how do you know if it's actually working. So apart from measuring, are there any other crucial steps that that are required for converting social media um, success or activity to actual meaningful business outcomes? I think you've got to work out at what stage of 
the life cycle your brand is. And when I say your brand, it could be your business. It could be something, you know, you, you're selling or it could just be your, your professional identity. Um, something that we can share in the show notes, there's a there's a fantastic reference, the, the McKinsey Digital Customer Journey. Mm-hmm. And what this actually talks about is how the, the digital customer journey has changed. Because if you think back to the days of pure advertising before digital and social media marketing, consumers couldn't talk back. So the way you became exposed to a brand was, you know, brands advertised and it was a whole of brands competing for your attention. And eventually you would sort of be filtered down the marketing funnel until you made your decision. But when you look at something like the McKinsey customer journey, it's a continuous circular model. So there's no start and no end. And it goes through really four, well, sort of five to six stages. The awareness stage, where someone becomes aware of your brand. So let's say you are a dietitian in private practice um, and you'll go out there and do whatever marketing you might do. Um, Then is the evaluation stage. So if someone's thinking of potentially booking an appointment to come and see you, what are they using to evaluate whether or not they'll actually take that action? Then you have the purchase stage. So where they've, say, actually called, booked an appointment to come see you. But then following from that, that that isn't the end. There's also then the experience stage. So what can you do to really help someone have a really good experience and even think post-purchase, how you're communicating with them? Mm-hmm. Then if all that has been really good and you're, you, you've sort of played a role at each stage, that 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 person could become a brand advocate and that's where you get true engagement and then you ultimately develop a bond with that customer and as long as you're continuously engaging with them along that customer journey then that relationship will continue great terry we'll link to that in our show notes yeah sounds like a valuable resource yeah it's great um and so just back to uh, you were talking about you know a lot of information being out there this day and I know we had a brief discussion about it can you tell us how your um, business has changed or the way you do business has changed um, in terms of the fact that the day of the information age is now turned into the day of the experience age as you put it Um, and do you have any advice for listeners uh, in line with this shift Mm, yeah absolutely yeah, I think it's it's such a great quote because when I say it's gone or gone is the day of the information age because any piece of content that I put out there or yourself, Kate, or anyone, there's probably a very similar piece of content. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very difficult to go and create something new or or something that no one has seen before. I mean, we all know you put in a Google search for anything related to nutrition or probably anything related to any industry nowadays, and you just have so much choice. So. To me, how I think you can really stand apart gets back to what we we're talking about right at the beginning is about your real networks. And it's about being real and, and authentic. It's really fascinating. I think how many of us have seen brands on social media which are so salesy, um, you know, and, and social media is, is those conversations. You know, Kate, I would never walk into a party or a, a conference or an event and say, I met you and I said, hi, Kate, I'm Terry. I'm eating this delicious yogurt that is three grams fiber and cost this or, you know, it's, it's yeah. not, it's not conversational. So I think they, you know, they, there's some great examples of dietitians and nutritionists who are just so authentic and so conversational. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing as well that, that I think is really interesting. I mean, you know, social media can, can be very inspirational and aspirational, but we are seeing a lot of beautiful imagery, but sometimes 
our question, is that really authentic? Mm-hmm. Now, for some brands, it can work really well and their audience will demand it and it, it, it kind of, you know, is what they're about. But again, I think if you can maybe stand apart by, by not sort of following those masses of everything being Photoshopped to the nth degree, I think that can be, um, you know, a great way to have your, you know, that, that, that age of experience stand out. Um, but really it's about going out of your way for others. And, you know, again, let's, let, let's for one minute move away from digital and social media. Think of relationships that you've had with people, whether that's, you know, walking into a pharmacy and the way that the pharmacy assistant treats you or, or helps you with something, or whether it's, um, you know, going to a restaurant and the way the waitress might really serve you really well. It's th- those are the relationships that you remember. Those are the ones that, you know, really stand out for you. They make you think, well, I want to go back to that restaurant or I want to go see that, that, that pharmacist again. Um, so, you know, I think as dietitians and nutritionists, if we can find ways to really develop those authentic relationships online by going out of our ways, you know, for other people. Um, and, and it's also about even moving things offline as well. You know, not everything has to be online. So you might connect with someone online, but then, you know, if the opportunity arises, especially if you're located in the same place at some point, go and go and meet them, you know, pick up the phone, call them to have lunch. I think those authentic relationships are absolutely essential. Moving things offline is a quote that I never thought I'd hear in this day and age, but really good point, Terry. It's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And and I should say as well, the it also works in the flip. Um, you know, mm. a, as an example, if I'm at a professional event and I meet someone and, um, th- you know, there's a good chance I feel uh, it's worthwhile having a future relationship with them, the first thing I will do is I will go home, I will find them on LinkedIn, and I will send them a personal message to connect with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just those little tiny things that make a huge difference. Exactly. Exactly. So then, I mean, you've talked a lot about uh, the sort of habits or traits that you now maintain within your business, but are are there any other really specific habits that you think are important for your continued success and that others could learn from? Well, look, I'm I'm a small business owner at the end of the day, so I've worked out some sort of habits that I need to keep in place in order to have continued success. I um, One thing that was that was really important for me when I established Food Bites and, you know, decided to give up my my healthy salary that was coming every month into my account from Nestle is, is to keep my overheads as low as possible. The advantage of the sort of business that I do is that I, I pretty much I work from wherever my laptop is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't have costs of rent or things like that that you might have, say, you were a private practicing dietitian. Mm-hmm. I also, um, whilst my time is very flexible, I really need to manage my time very well. I've got young kids at school, and as any mom listening to this podcast or, or any parent would know, the day, um, you know, your day in between school hours is actually very short. Yes. Now, you know, I'm, I really believe in, in paying it forward with so much in nutrition dietetics. And if I get a call from a, a new grad dietitian or, or, or anyone for that matter, and they'd like to have a chat with me about, you know, getting advice or, 
or, or anything like that, I really go believe, you know, hope to think that I go out of my way to to accommodate that. But at the same time, look, I, I definitely have had experiences in the three years I've been doing food bites where I've invested a lot of my time in some areas that um, you know have haven't quite reached fruition, um, and and some of that is learning. So definitely something that I'm you know, I do assess every opportunity and, and I've also realized that it's okay to say no to some things. Mm. Whereas in the beginning I was pretty much saying yes to everything, but now I don't. Yes. So is it about assessing, um, what you, what you want to spend your time on and what exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and on that note as well, as I've already said, Kate, I think, you know, not only did I invest in further training when I did my graduate diploma in marketing, but I think it's important to continuously invest in training, but it's also important to choose wisely. So, for example, I'm I'm not um, attending the Dietitians Association conference next week, and not not because I don't want to, but like everyone, I've you know I've only got so much time in the day, and obviously conferences are expensive. So I've got to decide based on my career and my business where you know what what is sort of the best conferences for me to attend or, or the best mm-hmm. training as an example last year i went to the pro blogger conference which yes. is a, a national conference for, for bloggers and people working in digital and social media whilst that obviously was a nutrition focus it was very very valuable to my business mm-hmm. um so yeah again just with the with that time management i think it really is important to work out you know again thinking back to those relationships you know who who and which are the relationships that you really believe are, are worthwhile investing your, your time into. I think a really great point as well there, Terry, is that professional development can come in many forms and from very, from many different areas. So, for example, Absolutely. pro blogger, that can obviously be very useful to dietitians even though it's not, as you said, a dietitian conference. Um, yeah. And that's a really great point. Yeah, and, I mean, even, you know, as well, you know, like many um, new grad dietitians, I've done many, 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 many hours of, of volunteer work. Um, you know, nowadays I, I, I have more the ability to pick and choose what I'm going to do for, mm. for volunteer time. Um, as an example, I'm currently a board member of Nutrition Australia, and this has been a fantastic opportunity that I was given at the start of the year. Um, it's a it's a non-paid board member position, but I'm learning an absolute fortune in terms of what is involved in being a board director. So, you know, abs- exactly what you say, Kate, not only, you know, can you can you gain training and, and further skills from, you know, paying to attend a conference, but even just of giving your time and being involved in various committees and, and on various boards. I mean, mm. even yourself, Kate, you know, being involved in, in Dietitian Connection as well and everything that you're probably learning about podcasts. Yes, it's, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure you could teach me a thing or two when I need to do some podcasts for Food Bites. Oh, definitely. Yes. Uh, it, as you said earlier, steep learning curve when you yeah. um, were working for, um, diabetes, the diabetes organization, and this has been a steep learning curve, but it's um, skills that are so valuable. Absolutely. Um, so to finish off, Terry, do you think there'll be large-scale changes in this digital communication space in the future? And uh, if so, what do you think are the implications for dietitians? 
Well, Kate, I don't, I don't think there'll be large scale changes. Okay. I know there will be large scale changes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what they will be, but I can tell you as, as we speak, I mean, we know we've, we've never lived in more of a, a changing, a changing world as, as we are today. And, you know, it's, it's just amazing as we see new inventions come up and new tools and new ways of doing things. There is so much change. And I think it is affecting every industry and, Luckily, I think a lot of dietitians I've seen have really embraced this and said, okay, this is happening, you know, what can I do to be involved? Mm-hmm. Um, some might still be sticking their heads in the sand and going, oh, you know, uh, it's it's not for me, but um, I think that most people don't really have a choice. In terms of the implications for dietitians, it, it's, it's a really interesting one. Look, I'm not probably personalized nutrition will will become um, quite common. Mm. So as we know, a lot of things are becoming personalized nowadays and, and people expect a high degree of personalization, um, especially using digital technology. So, you know, you can do an, an online shop and it can personalize things based on your needs. Um, we know, Kate, as you know, um, you know, how personalized Facebook advertising can be when we, you know, when we get sent Facebook ads and information. So I think that is going to be a big one. And obviously brands and businesses that can, that can nail that one will, will probably do better than others. Um, I think also, which we've already seen um, a lot of is that there is going to be increasing competition from whether it's wellness warriors or, or other nutrition experts. Some of them may be credible nutrition experts. Others may not be. Um, and the reality is that, you know, due to social media, they, they do have greater reach. I actually think these these groups have been around for many, many years. It's just that they're becoming more vocal because they are able to, to get that greater reach. Mm. And I think, yeah, I think also that there's going to be a demand for more automated services. So it will be interesting how that does affect the dietitian industry. And I'm thinking as specifically in the likes of, of private practice. We know one thing that does set dietitians apart is their ability to really tailor nutrition advice for individuals. Um, and I, yeah, I'm really fascinated to watch the space, you know, given that computers are sort of overtaking a lot of jobs that were previously done by humans. Yeah, we're, we're, to what extent could that affect that sort of personal communication that that dietitians provide? Mm. I think that is probably maybe a, a bit of an unknown. Um, and yeah, and finally, we we do know, which you know, I've already mentioned, consumers are playing a much bigger role in that two way communication, and they also are playing a bigger role in discerning information. So whilst on the one hand we have, um, you know, it's the end of the information age because there's so much information clutter. I think we are seeing consumers be very wary of, you know, nutrition information that they are receiving in a Google search and, and really looking for those credible sources. So I think that is a huge opportunity for dietitians. Mm, yeah. Um, the World Economic Forum had a list of top skills that would be required in 2020 in line with the big technology changes and complex problem solving is number one, which um, I believe dietitians are or can be very good at. So it'll be interesting to see, um, I guess, how that plays out and how we can take advantage of technology um, whilst using that really important skill, which I guess can't be replaced as easily by computers. Just in line with your comment earlier. 
And if, you know, I think if dietitians could, could, you know, work with some of those really innovative startup technology companies who are developing those machines or those automated services, but then somehow combine that with, with dietitian skills to really mm. offer that personalized nutrition package, but with that, that one-on-one communication, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, then I think someone, someone, someone could retire very rich. Yes. Yeah. Um, so sorry to say that we're out of time, Terry. I just wanted to say I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated by what you do at Food Bites. It's a really, uh, seems like a really innovative business and really different way of doing dietetics. So thank you so much for sharing all of your experience, your experience over 14 years, is it? Oh, uh, how many years is it? Well, it's about 17. 17 years. Um, yeah, thank you so much. I've learned a lot today and it's been really valuable advice. I hope the listeners can get enough from this or as much from this as I have. Thank you. That's a pleasure, Kate. And thanks for having me. It was good to chat. Great. Thank you as well to all the listeners for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, we love receiving your feedback and also would love to hear what you think of the show. So if you could leave a review for us and also pass this podcast on to your colleagues and friends, it would be much appreciated. Thanks again and we'll see you next time for another episode of the Dietitian Connection podcast.